1: Pixelsift is proudly supported by Murdoch University School of Arts. Maybe you want to learn to make your own Twitch channel or podcast and outclass the competition. Does that sound good? Well, the skills you learn in a creative degree in games, sound, film, journalism will put you in a class of your own. Have a look at murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts to learn more about what they've got on offer. That's, w- that's murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts or you can search Murdoch University for more information. Murdoch University School of Arts, proudly supporting Pixel Pixelsift. Hello, hello, and welcome to Pixel Sift. We're a video game site and podcast, and each and every episode we dig into the world of games. My name is Scott, and joining me tonight is my co-host, Sarah. Hello. Hello, hello. Now, tonight, our guest is Matt Sanderson from Moloch Media. Thanks for joining us, Matt.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me.
1: Not a problem. Yes, Matt is here to talk about his recently released game, Mars Underground. But first of all, Sarah, what else are we talking, uh, talking about?
2: So, today we're going to be talking about parents that are spending more and more money on their kids when it comes to video games. It's up quite a lot from last year and it's a bit of a trend. So, we're going to find out how much it's increased and will we also be discussing why that money is All
1: right, well, let's get started. Visit us on pixelsift.com.au.
2: So parents in the U.S. are spending more and more money on video games every year, presumably on their kids, according to a new survey from market intelligence firm Interpret. So how much money is that? Well, on average, they spend about U.S. $433 per year on video game content for kids, which is up 34% from last year or year on year. So what do you guys think? Just definitely come tell us in the comments, tell us in the chat, are you spending more money or less money on yourselves or on your kids on video games? We'd love to know.
1: Yeah, I mean, as I get older and get in more of a uh, comfortable um, monetary position, I think I'm spending more money on it, but only because of that factor alone. Um, If anything, I probably purchase games a lot less these days. Um, especially with the amount of awesome games that are available for free to play, such as, you know, the recent Apex and whatever else there. Um, but yeah, what about yourself, Matt? Do you find yourself, do you, have you do you spend more on money on games these days or
0: has it not changed at all? Uh, I probably don't uh less at the moment, probably because I just don't have time to play anything. <laughs> that's a huge yeah. factor,
1: isn't it? So that's
0: uh, also, yeah.
1: I mean, it's even older.
0: (laughs)
2: Definitely. Like reading an article, you know, the big thing with games nowadays is a lot more games are pushing to be games as a service rather than games as a purchase. Uh, or like a one-time buy. And what that generally means is instead of you just buying a game the one time and you getting a digital product, Games as a Service is more reflected in, say, free-to-play games um, or games where you buy at one time like Rainbow Six Siege, which is a paid purchase. But they keep adding on content. So year after year, instead of they making Rainbow Six Siege 2, they just add, here's a a major content update. Here's some more playable characters. Overwatch does this. Fortnite, while being free-to-play, it also does this. It constantly trickles out content. You know, you keep getting a new season pass, new skins, the maps change, there's a new game mode. So a lot of, you know, competitor games are, are trying to do this and I was reading an article from Kotaku on uh, games as a service and how these things need to keep players engaged. I thought it was quite interesting because there's a huge amount of, of choice in competitor games at the moment as well pointed out and all of these games are constantly trying to charm people whether that's children of parents um, or, mm. you know, parents gamers themselves or even just people like us that may not have kids. They're all trying to compete for our time and especially you know, the older you are, the less time that you have, that you know, you've, games can compete with, which I thought was pretty interesting.
1: I mean, one of the huge ones for me as a games, f- a, pro- a gaming product that has become a service, uh, and that exactly like you said, it's basically the same thing every year, just like reskinned and blah blah blah. I mean, FIFA it essentially has it changes incrementally, ever so small, uh, so so smallly e- each year. Uh, but you know, not only do people fork out. Um, quite a lot because that's that's a huge title, you know. That's that's a hundred dollar game, even if you're getting the basic um, on, on, straight away on launch. But that model, the FIFA model, they earn you know, eight hundred over eight hundred million dollars a year just from their Ultimate Team, which is their you know p- uh, pay as you go kind of micro micro transaction part. Um, For a company to be earning almost a billion dollars off of one game's kind of micro transactions, that already brings in quite a lot of revenue is amazing. Uh, And EA are a big forefront in that. Um, I think um, if you adjust for inflation, EA are making 30% less from the sale of actual games today and 280% more on micro-transactions uh, and season passes. And that's a shift from... 2014 to 27 no 2012 to 2017 so over f- five years that's happened. And that's definitely.
2: It. That, I mean, that's a proper. F- sorry, you get one. EA, oh, sorry.
1: No, yeah, you go, 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 go.
2: <laughs> speaking of EA and microtransactions, though, we did ask some people in our social media what they thought. Were they spending more or less on games? And the game heart on Instagram had to say probably less overall. But that's less to do with free to play and more to do with limited budget. Although I do have seventy hours in Apex Legends. And Apex Legends <laughs> is a great example. It's just released its season pass. Um, which obviously is like a paid promotion thing, and it's obviously just the first of more to come. And it's you know a great example of how EA has started to do that. They're you know they're they're capitalizing on uh, a much more successful monetization platform for their company because unfortunately under the capitalist kind of company structure, they have to grow, they have to keep getting more profit.
0: Right. That's, that's it. That's what I, th- I mean. It's. Um... Like what, what were those numbers? Is thirty percent down on the sale? Thirty percent less games, of
1: then. sale of actual games, yeah. But two hundred and eighty percent more on microtransactions.
2: Mm, those are extreme just, numbers. This extreme. Is the way,
0: that's the way it works. They get, well, they're going to just yeah.
1: But that's the shift, though. Like um, or so more of
0: that to, uh, to the so microtransactions.
1: Yeah, but well, just because that's you know that's that's where the money's coming in from. But
0: that's their business, yeah. There's a worry
1: there, obviously, for you know, them, them spending less time on actually making the games and, and being less worried about the actual games they're making and more so the revenues that they can pull in for that game. Um, well, I, does I, it lead to
0: it. better games? Well, you know, does probably. it?
1: Uh, or does it margin, leave yeah. to axed games because there are you know the profit margin isn't going to meet um FIFA Ultimate Team I I hate to bag on EA but it's so easy um a few years ago when the Star Wars blah 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 was happening um and everyone got really upset about the pay to win kind of system that um Star Wars had implemented um uh, the the single player game basically got axed because and this is a bit of a hot take, but because it couldn't bring it couldn't bring in the Rakana revenue that they expected from their games, because FIFA set a precedent that cannot be met. Basically, it's the world Absolutely. game. Absolutely, yeah. um, But but, mm. but that's what they're looking at. They're like, well, if this game can do this, why can't this game? And then Definitely, like that, yeah. that is looking at the, the industry in the wrong way completely. And it, and to be fair, is why EA have such a bad rep and get such a tough time from people like myself.
2: Yeah. I mean, Ubisoft is a really interesting company I've found. Uh, bp 14 on Discord um, had to say about whether he's spending more or less on games. He had to say it less because I mostly play the same games. Uh, I play Rainbow Sorry. Six Siege with him a lot. Uh, and he, uh, he still plays Rainbow Six Siege and CSGO. But um, he had to say that single player games are expensive and the dollar per hour entertainment ratio is much lower, which I completely agree with on my personal experience. So he says he paid 30 bucks for Rainbow Six Siege, which is pretty damn good. That's it's cheap. it's It's gone down over time because they've added more content and there's yeah. more pay promotions within the game you have to understand um and he said he's got about 1300 hours out of it and counting but he played 30 bucks for dishonored 2 which is a very good game all the same but he still only played about 40 hours or so and having i'm kind of in the same boat i feel like like i i didn't pay very much for siege and i'm still playing it but over time i i keep paying more to be like oh new characters have come out i'll pay a bit of money and i'll get those instantly you know and it's like you know, maybe I don't know. For me, I also find that like I gravitate more towards games that um, that have this kind of microtransaction structure to them because their games as a service they keep fulfilling. The, the thing of like, oh, new content and well, they they need usually yeah. it was multiplayer as well. Like, do you find that as well? like I mean, I, I don't have the stats, but I have a feeling it's definitely something that um, multiplayer games tend to pull. Well, th- I love playing with my friends. like My game time is my social time, generally mm. speaking, as well. well. I know about you guys.
1: You're 100% correct there. I mean, that's why my Star Wars example was good because you know the multiplayer, you can do this sort of thing quite easily, but implementing a pay-to-go kind of my tra- microtransaction seasonal pass type thing is a lot harder if it's a single player because the Absolutely content needs yeah. to be there already and existing. Um, and, and Activision, uh, sorry, Activision Blizzard, and even Ubisoft are really good examples um, of people like they still, much like EA, earn more of their money, um, m- earn more of their revenue from microtransactions than actual games. But uh, they have a really strong um, list of you know IP already to kind of draw upon, so it's not as big a deal whereas EA have really kind of um, wedged themselves into this ultimate team thing. Definitely,
2: um, yeah. Matt, do you have much experience playing any of these, you know, games as a service? Or do you do you uh, have much, like, do you like them? Do you hate them? You know, do you wish they didn't exist? Like, what's your thoughts on the whole thing?
0: It's not really something I've ever gotten into. Um, I, I pretty much just play single-player games uh, when I do play games. Um, I, I, for me... Gaming was kind of about, uh, <laughs> I guess my appeal, you know, like I don't, yeah, I don't really uh, do it as a social.
1: That's really interesting. Um, just <laughs> it's not, um... No, that's absolutely fine. I completely get it. I felt like yeah. there's been a huge shift between um, to multiplayer and online stuff over the last you know, oh, five yeah. plus years. I mean, it's, it's undeniable, really. Um, but there's still, you know, a, a huge part of the gaming community that haven't really jumped onto that because it is you know, as big as it is, it's still kind of bespoke and not what classic gaming is all about. Um, yeah, if you just, it's, just,
0: it's just never, yeah. I've just never, I know, it's just never. Crossed your path?
1: Because the, the first time it's I really. Many times. <laughs> the, the first time I had to really forcefully get myself into loot boxes was Overwatch. Um, and they don't do it in kind of like a threatening way. And I really liked that. It was a good entry for me. But I still don't love them. And I won't pay for them. As much as I love Apex, I haven't bought any loot boxes and I won't be. If anything, if I was going to give my money to them, I'd buy Titanfall. Um, If you have just tuned in, uh, you are watching and or listening to Pixel Sift. Um, We're talking about how parents are spending more money on games than they have in the past. Uh, parents in the U.S. on average are spending $433 per, dollars per year on video game content for kids, which has increased 34% year on year. Um, So, that's not just – that's specifically money they're spending on games as well, I should say. Like, the average amount of parents has spent on entertainment for their child uh, in 2018 anyway was actually about $1,300, which is an increase of still, like, 25%. But that, you know, the main money is coming from excess spending on games, which, to be honest, I'm a little bit jealous of. I would have, lo- I would have loved that extra twenty five, thirty, thirty five percent when I was a child.
2: As a as a yeah. game developer, Matt, and you have just released Mars um, Underground, obviously like a fantastic single player experience game. Yeah. Would you ever, if given the opportunity, be interested in working on a game as a games as a service, either by yourself or in a team? Does the thought, like, do you find that interesting?
0: Sure. I mean, it's still, it's still. Yeah, I mean, like maybe, maybe these—that's not ultimate. Like passion around games is more the sort of single player high mm. experience. But, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you're still working on games. I mean, that's still dream sort of a position for for most people. That would
1: that be something you'd be willing to pursue to, you know, to to increase the longevity of a game or to increase. Even the popularity of a game, if you could introduce that, like we haven't quite got to talking about it yet, but say if you could introduce something microtransaction ish, uh, <laughs> transactional to Mars Underground, uh, without kind of taking away from the play, would that be something you would be willing to do?
0: Uh, I'm I'm not sure that I could I could really see a way that that that, that would work with this particular game. Yeah, that's. But, I mean, perhaps. Perhaps uh, something in that that formula, you know, the 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 time loop kind of. Maybe the yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about it now, like a way you could sort of have um, (laughs) content that you could keep, you know, releasing. um, I'm I'm sure it means a lot more work. I'm not really opposed to anything. Yeah, Yeah, no worries.
1: Um, so we did put out the question to Facebook and to the social media ether. Are you spending more or less on games these days is what we asked. Um, Sarah did ring, read out one from the Game Hub before. We also had a couple more. Uh, Alex Costa uh, on Instagram says this, uh, they're thinking they spend about the same. Uh, Yoss on Facebook says, as I, f- I find as I get older I am being very selective with my games and what game publishers I support on ethical or moral decisions the company makes. As an example, I don't buy any Konami games, just how they traded Hadio Kojima in his last years at the company. Any developer that shows love and respect to me as a consumer with decent content will get to have my patronage. Uh, Berio Pokemon on Discord says, more, definitely spending more, because I actually have the money to spend on it now. I've recently been having the urge to collect my childhood games, so I'd say older games and even some retro cartridges to complete my Pokemon collection. I don't really buy new games often, at least for myself. Uh, and classic squint on Discord also says it depends on how recent these days mean. In the last few years, more easily. In the last six months, less. Recent releases have been more underwhelming than usual, and with the recent AAA flops, it has made me more likely to wait for a sale. I mean, I kind of sort of agree with all of those. Nobody's, everybody's really? right in their own respect. There. Um. I think. Um. I'll just- no, please go on.
0: Um, uh, is 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 I guess maybe how people feel about uh? Because so one person in there was mentioning um that we're getting into buying retro games and, yeah. and cartridges and can like when I spend you know I spend my, some money on and 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 I buy like a physical, it's a real object like as opposed to spend the same amount of money on um, of a. a You know, a new character or or um, something. You know, like microtransactions. Um, It just, yeah, like that sort of feels like. Do you know what I mean? It just feels like better value. Like, no, I completely get what you want because buying like a real. You're not getting
1: a tangible um, product. You're buying something that's perking up something that already exists. And And to be honest, if the game turns off or goes away, so does all of your, you know, whatever assets.
2: We're um, absolutely starting to see more companies invest into streaming games as well. Um, I think it's called Stadia by Google. That was a recent announcement Yeah, absolutely. Um, I personally think it's going to flop because the amount of internet that it requires is absurd. And if they really think that they're going to get enough of an audience with the kind of requirements for game streaming with a 10 millisecond um, input delay, I, mm. I can't see it happening. Um, but you know, we're starting to see like, like that was a big announcement. And the big thing with that is you're not even getting to own the game. So we've moved from uh, manufacturer of physical cartridges and discs to, oh you buy a game in store, but it's a digital download, it's saved to your account, saved to your digital library. And now we're not even seeing that anymore. Like that's disappearing too. Mm. Like, I mean, I don't think that these games as a streaming service are going to, um, really take off just because mm. the tech isn't there yet. Um, frankly, but especially not in Australia. S- absolutely, mm. and it's kind of scary to me. Like it's it's really targeted only at like the the I guess the highest, um, uh, most I guess uh, I don't want to say richest, but I can't think of the right word. But you know, technologically high forward, quality, yeah, yeah, high quality internet that are closest to the data services. Mm. Um, and, Australia. Know, they're, they're <laughs> yeah, not Australia. They're targeting a small percent. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> <us>. It's not <laughs> even <isn't public laughs> to Australia. They're probably they are just like, all <laughs> oh, those Australians have like, shit internet. But you know, like mm-hmm. the big thing is, it's like we're potentially even going to see our libraries disappear. Now, I don't know about either of you, but I I very much value the games that I own in my Steam library, and it would break my heart if I lost my account or if – Like, I wasn't able to kind of, even though it's digital, I still, especially when it comes to indie games or by by companies that I, I have a great fondness for, I would be very upset if I wasn't able to make a direct purchase to them, even if it was only digital, because, you know, you know what you're buying into, you're buying into this wonderful, this economy of video game creators and you're supporting creators, and to lose that would be, I think, quite scary. So, with the uprising of potential streaming services... I, I, it's kind of a scary thought that we might not even actually be able to own games. That so instead is, of games as a service moving into games as a constant streaming source of income, that quite honestly scares me.
1: That is a very scary indeed. And look, with the huge AAA prof- profits um, that they're getting from these games, um, I don't think this games as a service model is going anywhere fast. Um, but with flops, such as I mentioned, the Star Wars debacle, it's obviously, it's obviously that developers can... Uh, stuff it up, so they need to be careful going forward. Hopefully, we see new emerging ways of um, developing upon this service as a model effort. So, um, a model so that effort can still go into continue to bring better games at the same time as appeasing this need for revenue shift. Because, after all, it's the games that matter to us, not the money. And with that, let's get to the next section.
2: Hey there. If you're enjoying the show and you want to hear more, subscribe to Pixel Sift on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify or listen on Pixelsift.com.au. See you there.
1: We will indeed see you there. Uh, it's time for the second half of the show where we do the interview. Today we have Matt Sanderson who's a designer, developer, programmer and music from Mars Underground. Uh, welcome, Matt. Again, thanks for coming along. Um, do you want to give the people at home a little bit of an explanation of what Mars Underground is?
0: Uh, well, I I, uh, I I describe it as a, an apocalyptic uh, time loop adventure game, uh, and so so you're stuck in a, a time loop, and and you're uh, you're sort of trying to figure out what's going on, and um, and so yeah, every time. Loop, you're uh, you're discovering new things and you're you're picking up items and and
1: yeah. So where did uh, where did inspiration for the game come come
0: from? Movie Groundhog Day. Yeah, um, yep, and yep. very uh, well. And I remember there was, uh, there was this um theater and they they do these um movies recreated as as like eight bit sixteen bit uh video games like what they'd look like and they did one of Donnie Darko and I I kind of liked mm-hmm. that as well and and that was also sort of one of the interesting there's, there's all these like time loop uh sort of <laughs> tv shows and things on netflix at the moment um and yeah there's <laughs> a few people like oh it's like um was it russian doll and you know,
2: do you have any major inspiration so going into the construction of it like any particular games or like you know i mean obviously people have like likened it to groundhog day a lot but for me when i looked at some footage and gameplay i immediately thought of like mother three
0: yeah. Um. Well, Earthbound. Uh. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. One of the inspirations. And um. You know. I, and and I think also. Uh. For me, I think Monkey Island. That was that was kind of like the game that made me want to make games.
1: So you, you mentioned Monkey Island there. Um. What was it about Monkey Island that made you
0: want to make games? Uh, it would be the dialogue choices, the um, the conversation tree stuff. Really. I think. Yeah. Like that was Monkey Island too. I think. And and um remember but like you go in and you, you talk to like there's the um guy and you have this ridiculous conversation with him and and you're like you know you're like part of the the sort of the comedy that's happening and and mm. it's just like um that was the first time like uh that I saw that that sort of thing in a game and and that was just like big enthusiast of dialogue
1: uh, so it's the game has been out for a week or so how has it been with the re- reception so far
0: uh yeah well, uh reception's been good um yeah uh, you know uh, reviews. The, everyone, you know, the people who played it—they've all seem to have liked it. Well, well received so far. Um, I haven't had any negative reviews on Steam or, or anywhere else, so. <laughs>
1: which is nice. So, how was the PAX experience <laughs> for you? Um, you know, l- having a game s- s- a few months before launch.
0: Oh, oh yeah, no, I mean, it was it was it was it was really pretty pretty amazing to be you know right right there in the nerve of it all. You know, I I don't think I've ever gone to a um, uh, like a convention that that big before I uh, haven't gone to PAX before certainly so it's just you know just so many people and it's like
1: oh you know. Um, I also noticed uh, the soundtrack which I'm really enjoying so far is available for, for purchase on stream and it mentions uh, sorry on Steam uh, and it mentions the game uh, has a dynamic music soundtrack, uh, soundtrack. Right. Um, so what's all that about I understand. did you do the music yourself?
0: Um, yeah i uh, so i, I had a, a little bit of help um uh, a friend sort of did did a bit of the music uh, I did, did I did do most of the music um and and as far as like uh, the dynamic uh just just sort of so, so, so sort of crossfading between um between tracks so sort of uh, there's an area um Phobos central and as you walk into the different stores and things it 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 cross fades to, to sort of like a different arrangement of, of the kind of the music in the, in the area so yeah
1: beautiful stuff and like that that must be pretty yeah, difficult yeah. oh sorry sorry taking on so many hats like you know as i said at the start of the show you know designer developer programmer music um how do you balance so many different tasks all at once
0: uh, I think just um dumb ambition. Like I don't know. Like, I don't know how I did it. <laughs> oh I, I, I don't know. Just yeah. I guess that's why it took so long. Like I, I didn't realize it was going to take over three years uh, mm-hmm. when I started on it, and and that it would be um <laughs> sort of consume me so so completely. Um. <laughs> did
2: did you have a particular process like did you bounce between doing different stages like one day did you maybe work on music for an area or did you purely focus on like art for a while first like what was your process for Mm -hmm. i guess you know constructing the game wearing all those hats
0: oh you know what what do i feel like doing today really and in some ways like that oh i'm sick of you know i'm sick of doing this this sort of part of the game like well i'll go I'll i'll write a song you know for it i'll write some music for this area so you know, like yeah, like in, in a way, like like doing all these different roles is kind of—it's almost freedom. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. like, you
2: know, would you ever consider doing it again? Like, would you make another <laughs> game by yourself, fulfilling all those roles?
0: Uh, um, I'd like to.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's no commitment to that. I I, I like to. <laughs> Will I'd I? Like to, I?
0: I guess. I guess. Like, um, you know, like this is a serious thing, and I'm going to sell it, and and uh, and and you kind of, you know, like you, I kind of come to the end of it, and and I put it up for sale, and, and you kind of go, well, if I go, like I say, you know, I've spent five thousand plus hours on it, you know, like I'm not really going to make, not going to recoup expenses, yeah, it. right, and it's sort of like it's kind of like 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 doing another game. And and by myself, and and how I want, and everything. It's like, well, can can I can I get away with 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 uh, spending that much of my time, you know, as a well, as an adult with responsibilities? Yeah, can right. I invest five thousand hours into um, pet project.
1: I mean, do you, do you feel like it was worth it? Do you do do you feel accomplished yeah. by re- releasing this, even though you did spend yeah, do, you know I lots I of hours I, from I'm, it?
0: I'm proud of it. I'm really proud of it. yeah.
1: That's great. Yeah. I mean, if. if as far as arts go that's kind of the reason you do it uh, and if you can can do it for those reasons yeah. <laughs> well, we're very glad you did because uh, it's a great uh, looking game and I'm glad I hope the uh, the launch continues to go very well so if people do want to well, follow anything that you are doing in the future where can they uh, where's the best place to find you
0: I will definitely be on website there or or um or the mars underground page on facebook or or twitter that'd be a place to find me
1: <laughs> fantastic and as i said it is available on steam at the moment it's even got a bit of a 10 percent discount uh, if you want to jump on and get some savings we are on our way out um big thanks to matt again do go and check out mars underground on steam this episode has been hosted by myself and sarah it was produced by Fiona Bartholomew and Mitch Lowe. The executive producer was Gianni Gigiovanni. And we wouldn't have been able to make it to 170 episodes of Pixel Sift if we didn't have the support of Murdoch University. Check them out and tell them we sent you. If you're keen to learn more about a great creative degree, head to murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts. As always, we'll be sticking links to topics we've talked about in the show notes on our website, www.pixelsiff.com.au. Come join us on Discord. We'd love to have you there. That's pixelsift.com forward slash Discord, where you can share your creative work. If you'd like to know what we do, uh, if you like what we do, please steal a friend. We don't pay to advertise. We rely on word of mouth for people to find the show. And that's about all. Big love. Woo! Catch you all later.